Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, and this is what the therefore is about, Romans 4, he was talking about how we are justified by faith and not by works. And because it's a faith, then we're justified according to grace, something just freely given to us, unearned. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So let's just stop there. Look at verse 2. Through whom, talking about Jesus, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith into this grace. Well, what is grace? Grace is this, uh, as it is sometimes said unmerited favor, unearned favor, unearned blessings, unearned goodness, strength, power, uh, riches. Uh, I'm not talking about being filthy rich. I'm just talking about the provision of God. Everything that God has that he extends to us, he extends to us by grace. Well, how do we access that grace? Well, through the Lord Jesus, yes, but by faith. It says, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, this unmerited, unearned favor of God in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, I don't know about you, but that just kind of rubs me when I first read it. Like we glory in tribulations. Well, we're excited. We're, we boast in tribulations. Really? Why? Well, let's keep reading. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So let's just stop right there. Perseverance, well, he says tribulation produces perseverance. Well, in the same way that, you know, if I had a dumbbell down here just to pick up, you know, with some sizable weights on either side, well, that that's putting some resistance on my muscles, right? And so if I'm letting that dumbbell down and having to pull it back up, it's the resistance that actually builds the muscle. Without resistance, you can't build muscle. And the more resistance you have, in other words, the heavier the weights, the faster the muscles are grown and developed. Well, in the same way, Paul has discovered that through the tribulations that he's gone through, those tribulations have actually produced character traits, including perseverance. And so uh, now, shoot, Somebody comes against him, and can you imagine Paul getting all ruffled about somebody that tweeted something against him or you know, made some kind of a comment on Facebook or unfriended him or something like that? He's going to say, oh, that's nothing compared to what I've been through. It would not faze him a bit because 
the tribulation that he's been through has actually worked to the advantage of strengthening him in the ability to persevere and to just stick with it. And so Paul's just saying that sometimes us avoiding any kind of discomfort actually works to our disadvantage because it makes us soft. It makes us weak. And it's one of the uh, accusations against Americans that people think we're soft because we're, we live in such wealth compared to the rest of the world and comfort that we just don't like any inconveniences. We just don't like any discomfort. And so the moment we have a little discomfort, we're ready to buckle. We're ready to give in. And well, that's not good. So Paul's saying, listen, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character. When you have to persevere and stick with something and stick with something, there is character being developed in you. And character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, verse 5, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. That's interesting. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I love that right there. When we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we had no ability to live for God the right way, Christ died for ungodly people, unable to serve God the right way, unable to be obedient. In that time when we were unable, he came and died for us. He came and died for us. And uh, you'll see this again in the eighth verse. Verse seven, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us, his love for us. Now, look back at verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so putting this into perspective contextually here, you can understand why hope does not disappoint. In other words, when we put our hope in God, because the love of God has been extended toward us and God demonstrates his love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We lay our hope on the love of God that even when we didn't lay our hope on his love, he loved us. He sent Christ to die for us. And when we lay our hope in that kind of love, it does not disappoint. Why? Because God follows through. If he would give his own son uh, to us, well, we're going to find out in chapter 8, how would he not freely give us all things? See, and so hope will not disappoint because this love of God was poured out in our hearts. And we know that we know that we know that our loving God is going to follow through with what he promised to us. All right, now, verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. See, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So having already, or having now been justified, we shall be saved from wrath. 
having now been justified, we shall be saved from wrath. See, the wrath is not yet. The wrath is coming at the end of the age. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So notice shall be. See, often we talk about it as you putting your faith in Jesus and then you're saved and you say, I am saved. That's it. Well, yes, your spirit is born again and you have eternal life in you. But there are still some some situations that are coming up like the end of the age and the judgment and the wrath of God and such that you need to stay in this state of spiritual salvation. You need to stay in this state and not backslide, not go back to the world so that when those consequences come due, you will be in a position to not experience the wrath of God. So yes, there are many people who they say the prayer, and I believe many of them even are born again, and yet they can be tempted back into sin and choose to continue to live a lifestyle of sin. And so having been justified, they end up still experiencing the wrath of God. And that shouldn't be the case. And so you'll notice that Paul is not saying, once you get born again, None of that could ever happen to you. Well, that's not true. It can happen to you if you don't stay with the Lord, if you don't walk in his salvation. So notice again, uh, verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, having passed, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now, we have now received the reconciliation. So thank God, if you're born again, you have received the reconciliation between yourself and God. Verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that was Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed or credited against anybody when there is no law. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come." So from Adam to Moses, what does that mean? Before there was ever a law, the law didn't come about until Moses. But from Adam to Moses, people were still sinning, though they weren't breaking the commandments of God because the commandments had not been given. They were still sinning. They were doing wrong, morally wrong things. Verse 15, but the free gift, here we go, but the free gift is not like the offense. The free gift of righteousness is what he's going to say is not like the offense or the sin. For if by one man's offense, or we could say sin, if by one man's sin many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of, of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. The free gift, of course, was salvation through Jesus. If 
the free gift, which came by many sins, he paid for many sins. Well, what did it do? It resulted in justification. So Adam's sin resulted in everybody becoming sinful, everybody being uh, unrighteous, born into sin, and therefore uh, subject to judgment. Well, just as Adam brought sin and death, so Jesus brought life, forgiveness, peace, reconciliation, justification. Verse 17, For if by the one man's offense or sin death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So you're either going to be a, a descendant of Adam and sin and sinfulness and unrighteousness leading to the wrath of God, or you're going to be a son of Jesus Christ, another man who rectified the sins of humanity and gave us the free gift of righteousness. So we're going to have to choose. Which one of these are we going to be? Well, I think we're going to choose the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace. And so it says, we receive the free gift, the gift of righteousness, and we will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense or offense, judgment came to all men, talking about Adam's sin, and judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, talking about Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Now, what is justification? It's just as if you had never sinned. Completely wipes the slate clean. And you have no more condemnation. You have no more indictment against you. He justified you. It's over. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, Adam's sin, so also by one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So look again, verse 20, moreover, the law entered, God gave the law to Moses, that the offense, that the sins, might abound. Really? God gave the law so that sin would happen more? Well, God wasn't trying to get people to sin. God was trying to get people to realize how much they were sinning. Because say, say you'd never driven a car before. You just got your license and, and you don't know very much. And then you drive out into the country and you drive into a new town. You don't see any speed limit signs. And so you're just blowing through that town at 60 miles an hour and uh, you get pulled over and you tell the police officer, I, I didn't know that the speed limit was only 20 miles an hour. I didn't know that, right? Well, guess what? If we put signs up like every 50 feet, 20 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, now there's the law. So now you driving at 60 you become increasingly aware. You are breaking the law. And so with all these commandments, hundreds of commandments that God gave in the Old Testament through Moses, when all these commandments came, people realized, oh man, I'm sinning here and I'm sinning there and I'm sinning the other place. So it wasn't that maybe they were actually sinning more, but now 
the clear sinfulness of their lives is very evident because the commandments now showed them for the first time what they should and should not be doing. And so what happened is, because now they know it, now they realize, man, I'm sinning even more. And guess what? Just because the commandments came, that doesn't mean that I stopped sinning. So in that sense, it abounded. So look again, verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Let me just say it like this. God needed them to see that they needed a Savior. If they didn't realize that they needed a Savior, then the gospel wouldn't be good news. Well, why do we need that? Well, he died for your sins. Why? I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> no, the law came to show them how bad it was. Sort of like looking in the mirror. You know, you just finished that spinach salad and then you look in the mirror and you smile and you got some green stuff in your teeth. Well, before the mirror, you didn't know. And you could just be out there talking to people and laughing and smiling and not realize that was happening. But once the mirror came and you realize, oh, look at that. And I have something on my face too, right? And that's what, that's what the law did. The law said, here's the standard of God. And by looking at the standard, they saw how deficient they were. And so in that sense, their sin abounded. Their realization of sin abounded. So the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, look at this, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. See, along with the law, God has the grace to be able to forgive all sin. So what purpose does the law serve? Well, by us seeing, looking in the mirror and seeing how bad things are, we can turn to God and say, God, we need your grace. We need forgiveness. And God says, well, I'm glad you asked because it just so happens that I sent my son and all that sin has been paid for. And now that you've asked for forgiveness and the grace of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. Before the law, they didn't realize how bad it was. Once the law came, they realized how bad it was and they could turn to the Lord for grace and salvation. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God didn't give the law because he wanted people just to feel terrible. He gave the law so that they could be aware of how off the mark they were and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive full forgiveness, the grace of God, the free gift of righteousness so that they could walk around with the very righteousness of Jesus and therefore be qualified to be recipients of every promise of God. Isn't that awesome? See, and so that's why God gave the law, to show us that we needed a Savior. And once we receive the Savior, boy, we're in a position to receive all the promises that God has for each of us. Well, that's good for today. I look forward to... Tomorrow, another great chapter. Chapter 6 has, I mean, some nuggets in it, so don't miss it. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. 
Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.